It's a Northern Virginia Church Academy special Marty Solomon Four Pillars recap. I'm Matt Fisk with Katie Fisk and Brett Kreider talking about this uh, special presentation. We are on the third pillar of four. We've talked about Eastern versus Western approach to God and Scripture. We've talked about discipleship and how the calling is higher than we ever really realized to follow our rabbi. And last time we talked about community or the, the community of different worldviews that Jesus is trying to put back, to put the world back together, showing unity in people that have no business in being unified or caring about each other. And now we're into the third pillar, third of four. So you stick with us and it's text. What is the text about? Well, let's begin with the fact that words create worlds. God created our universe and our world with his words. And so Boom. from the very beginning, words have always had immense power. Uh, I think in our culture, we, we downgrade this a lot. Um, we don't really think about the power that words have. But even lies that we know are lies are still powerful and able to cut our hearts and we think about just how many things do we walk around remembering, replaying things that people have said, things we've read. Um, one sentence or one word can keep repeating in our minds over and over again. It can become our identity. I think about the stories that we tell ourselves and how much power those few words that we think about um, ourselves in that context or, or how we see our lives, how powerful that is. Um, and so... When we look at the Bible, God's words have a power that our words just don't even have. And so the text is even more powerful. Yeah, I loved how he, he said from a Western perspective that we, we don't think that the words themselves have power. We go, sticks and stones can never hurt, can break my bones, but words can never hurt me kind of deal, which is rubbish, complete nonsense. Um, but then he, he brought up that thinking that, well, words are... are arbitrary reference, you know, that have nothing to do with anything that, that he connected that. Well, that's what Athena taught that the Greek God of wisdom taught that words are just conduits for meaning rather than the Hebrew mindset. The West, the Eastern thing is the very words themselves have power, which is true. Like I read the words of the Bible and it's different than when I read the words of Harry Potter. <laughs> So why, why is this such a, for you guys, what did you take away? Why is this included as one of the four pillars? Oh, the Jewish people were the looking Jewish at this. people.
Well, two things that that's makes me think of right away. One is that as uh, Westerners, we sometimes approach the text as if it was an instruction manual. And we're going to open up the Bible. It's going to tell us what to do. We're gonna, it's going to be very easy to uh, interpret and then just obey. And, you know, there are parts of the Bible that are very much like that. They're not always, well, they're not aimed at us directly. They're aimed at some other Christians. So sometimes they apply directly and sometimes they don't. But if you're a young Christian, it's the first time you're interacting with it. You're like, okay, I can, I can get something out of it, but it doesn't, it's not just, it, what I'm hearing is it's not just, it doesn't stay there. And then we end up neglecting huge areas of the Bible. So the Old Testament, for example, all the poetry, because you can't read a song. You don't like quote, uh, you know, some Pink Floyd or whatever and say, this is, you know, what I live my life on. Songs are emotional. Songs are, and so the Psalms are written completely different. And stories in the Old Testament, you look at the characters and you're like, am I supposed to be like this guy? It doesn't seem like it. So, one, or, or what do I do with Leviticus? When I was a kid, I would try to read through the Bible ev- like every couple of years and I'd start in Genesis and I was going strong and I liked the stories. Exodus, oh, this is awesome, Prince of Egypt. And then towards the end of Exodus, I'd lose steam. And by the time I got to Leviticus, I was bored out of my mind. And so I just, done. I don't care. I don't know what to do with it. And frankly, no one ever, no one quoted it in any way that made me want to dig into it. So I just ignored it, pretend it wasn't there. Except for Leviticus 19.8, which is... Uh, 
No, love your neighbor no, as yourself. No, I, I didn't care about that. I, <laughs> I'll, re, I'll read that with Jesus. Jesus. I like Jesus. I don't like Leviticus. Read it out of the New Testament. You, you know. Right, exactly. And so that was how I approached the text. I, I'm trying not to do that as much, but I'm probably not alone. In that. There's probably huge chunks of scripture that we just ignore. But then I'm also hearing from you that like it's, it's the New Testament as well that we that we can neglect different meanings or levels is what... Well, once again, you dig into the Gospels and they're not as straightforward as you might think. I mean, they're written to people 2,000 years ago in a different language, in a different culture, and somehow we've got to make sense of this. One of the things that's really helped me, one of the tools that I've been using recently is the Bible Project, and they have all kinds of videos that give you this awe of the text because you understand that the authors of the Bible were very intentional about every word that they chose. And then you start to see these patterns in the Bible where um, when the gospel writers were writing, they were thinking of the fulfillment of the Old Testament story. And so the, it's not just when you hear them say, and as it was written in the prophet Isaiah, and then they quote Isaiah, obviously, He's pointing back to a fulfillment of an Old Testament text. But it's even the stuff that we were talking about earlier when Jesus went and uh, actually lived out something um, in the beginning of Mark. You were talking about this today in the sermon where uh, when Jesus went to the wilderness, he was tested uh, after he was baptized. So you had the water, you had the temptation, you had the wilderness. And instead of failing like the Jews did, in the Old Testament story, Jesus this time passed the test. These are not things, that's not the typical way I read the Bible. It takes a little bit of extra work to go back and, and understand how the Old Testament fits in. Yeah, Katie, we, we you know, we're, we're married, so we, do, we, talk, we talk about Scripture. We, we've talked a lot about digging into the Old Testament and kind of even getting into the, the, the hints and the remezes and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely changing the way that I read the Bible um, in the New Testament, uh, learning that when, whether it's it's one of the writers or whether it's Jesus who's quoting or hinting at a scripture um, from the Old Testament, we call it a remez, but it I've always just read through that and not even gone back to read read the scripture, but I'd be like, oh, that's cool, like, you know, he really knows his Bible, he's quoting the Old Testament, that's a nice scripture. I like it too. But now I'm learning, oh, I want to go back and actually read what was being said in that whole passage or what was being said beforehand because he's he's actually pointing not just back to that one verse or whatever he's quoting, but he's pointing back to that entire picture, that entire story. And so it's bringing so much more of the Bible to life and helping me connect so much more between the Old Testament and the New Testament, doing that digging, doing that extra work. So do you have like an example of that? Sure. So in Mark 1, verse 1 through 3, it says, The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And like I said before, I would just read this and be like, oh, cool. It's quoted in the Old Testament. That's sweet. I wouldn't even look at the bo- the the bottom of the page because I do have a reference Bible. I wouldn't even use the references. And it's referencing uh, Malachi 3 verse 1 and Isaiah 40 verse 3. And um, in the past, maybe I would even think about, okay, that's great. Like that's what that verse says. But 
going back to reading all of Malachi chapter 3 or even Malachi chapter 2 or all of Isaiah 40 or even before and afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you and I have talked about this and that if you read just that level, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But there's another layer for you to go see. And if you go back to Malachi, but not just look at, hey, look, he's quoting that, but looking at what's surrounding that, mm-hmm. it's incredibly interesting that, yeah, it says prepare, but I'll send my messenger. He's going to prepare the way before me. But if you look at right before that in chapter two, uh, it, it, it actually tells you who he's talking to. So if you, you go back to, you know, Malachi, not just three, but to two and in starting in, in, in verse one, it's talking about the priest. It's saying, oh, priest, this command is for you. And if you won't listen you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord. Then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. And so I will send my messenger before you, which comes in Malachi 3, is a continuation of this context. And, and uh, you know, off, off air, Brett and I were, were talking about this. And Brett, how did you say it? Well, when Jesus would quote a verse, he didn't mean just to take that one verse. He was actually bringing in the story of Israel And so the context of that verse tells you what was going on. And at that point, he was confronting the priests about certain behaviors. And so there was, uh, imagine Jesus now being close to Jerusalem. And imagine people remembering we talked about the Sadducees being a corrupt priesthood and how they were responsible for um, messing up what was going on and, you know, uh, I want to say like secularizing the Jewish religion. And so when Jesus, when Mark is bringing this gospel, there's a condemnation that's being brought towards the, the Sadducees at this point. And not to mention that because he uses these, um, these terms like gospel and he's talking about the king and Jesus being the Messiah and he's speaking to a Roman audience, there's a whole bunch of cultural references that if you don't understand the culture, you didn't know who he was talking to or how much of a threat that was because the same exact words were being used for Caesar as they were for Jesus. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly. We talked about that in one of the In the Margins podcasts. Go check that out if you haven't checked that out. We get deeper into those kind of things. And and part of the remez, the, the, the reference back is, this is to the priest. It's for that whole context. And I will purify you. It says in uh, Malachi three, uh, verse three. So there, I'm a purified like silver and like gold. And then you will bring offerings of righteousness. So there, there's so many levels that Jesus is talking about. Okay. Not just, I need someone to prepare my way, but I'm preparing my way to purify and I'm, and it's going to be priests and other people. And like you said, the contexts are all over the place. But we will never see that if we don't approach the text from this, I want to learn, I want to go deeper. And even appreciate that these are literary geniuses. (laughs) Every word is selected, like we said, and they are telling a story that addresses both a Roman audience and a Jewish audience. It shows Jesus as fulfilling all of the story of Israel and becoming the king of this kingdom of God. So, so let's say this, let's, okay, I'm in my car. Let's land the plane of, okay, I'm hearing this. So now, now what do I do? I don't know my old Testament super well. I don't live and breathe in it. So how do I start to see some of these, um, 
the, these really super deep things? Do I have to go out and buy a bajillion commentaries? Do I have to learn Hebrew? How do I approach the text in this way and get these meanings that we're talking about? The biggest thing that's helped me is actually the Bible Project because I think they give these big picture um, presentations in five-minute videos. I can sure, digest cool. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing that you mentioned, Katie, is that our Bibles often have the references in there, and we maybe are like, oh, cool, you know, it's from the Old Testament, rather than linking it back and saying, well, let me read the, not just the verse there, but the context, and do a little research. So if I'm going to read Mark, this is my opportunity this year as we're digging into Mark to look at the context of all of these references that are there. And and the, the other thing that I love to do is to take advantage of the technology that we have. I love paper Bibles, but if you can use one of your, one of your Bible apps, if you use version or what I use on my phone and my iPad is Olive Tree. And what I can do is not just buy resources that will tell me these things like uh, it would be cool to get a related verses or a chain reference kind of thing. But sometimes what I'll do is I'll just go into the search bar and it, I'll say, okay, so let me search all the times where it says uh, path or prepare the way. And it'll just pop up like, oh, I searched it and it's in Malachi. Oh, what's going on there? Whoa. But it also is in here. It's in Messenger. If I, let's say I search Messenger because that's also in there. That's going to be in Exodus and it's going to be in Malachi and it's going to be in Isaiah. So I start just by asking the simple question and using the technology that the Jewish people wish they had. Mm. They had to do it in their brains. We have it here. So there's a bit of a disadvantage. It's not in my head and in my heart, but it's on my hard drive. And so I can at least do a search. And, and I'll also add to that that we read references to places and we think since we don't know our geography it doesn't mean much to us but as soon as you do the search you're going to find that these places had a meaning in the old testament and that's brought into the new testament the same's true with names and the same's true with areas like wilderness you know and starting to think through these themes that have resonated throughout history Stick with us in the Northern Virginia Church Academy. Uh, we're going to be doing series about how to read your Bible and how to get deeper for people who are beginners and intermediate. But I think this pillar, we, we, we come down to a point of, okay, ask yourself, how do you approach your Bible? When you get up in the morning, when you're thinking about the scriptures, do you think you have it all? Do you think you understand the meaning completely? Or are there nooks and crannies and treasures and nuggets and, and things that you can't wait to find? And I, I think part of that is to challenge all of us to have the posture of we can always learn, we must always learn, and there's much more for us to find. So I think that's going to do it for this pillar. Uh, for me, Matt Fisk, Katie Fisk, Brett Kreider, we are done with uh, the text pillar and we have one more pillar uh, about wrestling. So come back with us on this Northern Virginia Church Academy special. We'll catch you next time.